Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management and mindfulness, a topic that we really haven't explored too much on the show, so I'm really excited to hear about that. I think today is also National Radio Day. So for all of you radio broadcasters out there, uh, congratulations and uh, have a great day. I also want to mention a few things that I have upcoming. On August 25th, I'll be doing a live webinar on projectmanagement.com. We'll be talking about uh, empowering people to deliver results. Uh, top of mind for me this year to discuss with everyone. So you can catch that at 11 a.m. Eastern while you're on that site, check out my Purpose Driven PMO webinar from last year. That's got over 7,000 views now and has been pretty well received. Also coming up, September 10th, ASU, Arizona State University, is having their first annual Project Management Summit. That's from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. here in Arizona. Uh, go out to uh, the PMO Squad website in the community section. You'll see a place to go register for that. And then September 14th through the 26th is the PMO Impact Summit, hosted by former guest Laura Bernard. Registration is free for that, and there's over 80 leaders from around the world. So that is a can't-miss opportunity. Head over to PMOImpactSummit.com and register for that. Of course, I want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad, home of the purpose-driven PMO. Visit ThePMOSquad.com and learn how they can support your project management team and help you get your PMO on the right track. Super excited today to have our guest, John McCaskill, join us. Thanks for joining us, John. If you could take a moment, please uh, share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, like I was mentioning just before the show, hopefully the background noise is, is not too bad because I am literally pulled off of the side of the road in Laramie, Wyoming, in my RV. Uh, my family and I are, are traveling the country right now as I just retired from the Navy at the beginning of this month. Uh, I've been in the Navy since uh, 1996, and 17 of those years I, I served as a, as a Navy SEAL. Uh, just retired, like I mentioned, as a, as a Navy SEAL commander, and now I am uh, working with a nonprofit called Veterans Path, teaching mindfulness and meditation to veterans and, uh, and I've also got uh, a side gig that I think we'll discuss. Uh, it's called Scrum on the Go. It's just a, a little project management um, tool that I've helped to create with some friends, John Davis, Beth Davis, and Saul Gomez, all of whom are Scrum and project management folks. So that's a little bit about me, uh, my family. I've got a little three-year-old girl and a one-year-old little boy. They are actually in a different vehicle, luckily, right now. <laughs> and uh, and then I've got my dog sitting right here. But for those uh, who are not watching and just listening, both Joe and I have uh, red polo shirts on. So it's like we coordinated this. <laughs> yes, it's, it's red shirt day. So, 
Well, yeah. th- thanks for joining us, John. And obviously, thank you for your service as well. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you. As uh, hopefully you know and our listeners know, uh, we're proud supporters of veterans and, and organizations here and our uh, nonprofit organization, VPMMA, helping those service members and military spouses transition into civilian project management career. So if nice. anybody yes. is interested in that, you can check out thevpmma.org and uh, we'd love your support. So, um, Let's jump into what you talked about. You're on the road. What's so? What's life like post retirement? <laughs> you're you're in an RV. You're traveling around. I mean, is this what uh, yeah. all retired Navy SEAL commanders do? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, this is uh, definitely uh, not what everyone does. It's a rarity. I, I do have a few friends who are doing it simultaneously. Funny enough, but we're not all retired. Some guys uh, are just doing it in their spare time. Um, and others are, are doing it as they're retired. But but uh, yeah, so my wife and I have been planning this for a couple of years now. And the plan uh, was, and the reason I say plan like that, you'll hear it here in a second. <laughs> but the plan, as all project management professionals understand, it never goes as it was planned. Um, so we, we plan to do it for six to 12 months on the road. And uh, seeing all parts of the country. And we've been on the road since the beginning of July. We've been living in the RV since the beginning of May. And obviously, COVID has thrown a kink in all sorts of plans, countrywide, worldwide. Well, this is not an exception. It's thrown a kink in this plan. And uh, some of the places that we wanted to go see were closed down. Uh, Some of the places we wanted to drive through were uh, we weren't allowed to drive through um, and then my wife and I thought well if one of us were to get COVID right now then we would have to kind of self-quarantine somewhere in the RV yeah, good luck with <laughs> and, that right? uh, and, and yeah exactly and then the other one would be responsible for taking care of the kids and and the one that was down so we've decided to head back to Colorado that's where I'm heading back to right now uh, through Wyoming and call Colorado Springs home for a while. And then hopefully the COVID pandemic will calm down in the coming months or coming years. And we'll just reset and do this, uh, try to do this again in the, in the future. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been an experience uh, living in a, um, in a 31 foot class C motor home with a three-year-old, the one-year-old, my wife, and then this dog that's over here being very rambunctious right now. <laughs> It requires a lot of mindfulness. I will tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I would it's, imagine it's good that I have that tool. I would imagine lots of uh, good stories from the road, and and your wife uh, also served, I think, in the Navy. Correct? She did. And, she did. Uh, we as uh, she was she is an orthopedic physician assistant, uh, and did that in the Navy. And we actually met at SEAL Team Ten, uh, where <laughs> uh, now that I'm out of the Navy, I can say this, but she worked for me. Uh, and then we had uh, we had a an Afghanistan romance, if you will. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and uh, you had posted on social media maybe a couple of weeks back. It was uh, that her medical training came into play right on the road. What what it happened sure there? Sure did. Sure did. Uh, we were in Telluride, and my one year old little boy was uh, choking on some apples and little bites of apples. And it wasn't choking to where you could hear him choking. It was choking where there was nothing coming out. So it was a dangerous situation. And luckily, my wife, uh, she's a superstar, superwoman, uh, responded instantly, picked him up, 
put him on her arm and started giving him the baby Heimlich or infant Heimlich maneuver. And he spit up and he was fine. But she she acted like it was nothing. And it was, I swear, it, it was a superwoman in action right before my eyes. And she saved my little boy uh, because um, I had learned that many years ago, the baby, the infant Heimlich maneuver in my CPR classes, but it's been a long time since I've seen it and practicing it on one of the dolls versus doing it in real life to my own son. I didn't respond as, as well or as quickly as she did. So I was very thankful for, uh, for her being there. Uh, so yeah, she's, uh, well-trained in the, in the medical field and, uh, and just an amazing mom and, uh, just person in general. So I, I am blessed to, yeah. to have her. Well, it's amazing how instincts take over. Right. And, uh, yeah. obviously through your train, that's why you guys train the way you do. Right. So that when you're confronted with a situation, you don't think about it, you just instinctively do it. And, uh, right, right. obviously fantastic for your uh, wife to step up and, uh, take care of the family like that. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So you've mentioned mindfulness, you know, I'm going to be the ignorant one here. I hear the word frequently. I probably get it, but I, I don't really know what it means. Right. Can you explain it to me better? Sure. So I try to understand this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's formal definitions. Um, and I'll hope this sound in the background is not too distracting uh, as I'm silent no, on the side we, of the road, but we don't even, hear um, it. good, good. There's formal definitions for mindfulness. Uh, really it's being present in the here and now, not worrying about the past or being too concerned about the future, being present in the here and now without any judgment. That's one of the kind of formal definitions, but really the way that I like to put it is it's just situational awareness. I mean, that's what we practice in the SEAL teams. You're aware of the situation. Uh, you're aware of the here and now, the present moment. And that's that's kind of a, a layman's term or a layman's definition, rather, of the term mindfulness. It, it's definitely getting more use these days, probably overused. Um, a lot of people use mindfulness and meditation synonymously, and they are not necessarily the same. There is overlap between the two, um, but they aren't the same. And I, you know, I can get into that further in the conversation, but there is great benefit in practicing both of them, uh, both physically and mentally, and, and quite honestly, spiritually, I think there's great practice or benefit in practicing the, the two of them. So I'll, I'll tell you real quick, Joe, how I got into it, and then we can get into some further questions. But yeah. in, the, in the SEAL teams, the first deployment that I went on, we had a pretty bad run of it, and the book Lone Survivor was actually the, the first deployment that I was on. So Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell, we ended up having uh, three of the guys uh, that we inserted on a, um, a special reconnaissance mission killed in a firefight. And then the quick reaction force that came in for that crew uh, was shot down in a helicopter for a total loss of, of 19 people. Um, 11 Navy SEALs and, and eight Army Night Stalkers. Uh, so shout out to the Army. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Army and the Navy and all, all services. But, um, you know, those, those were the two services specifically in that operation where we had loss of life. And I was, uh, I was friends with all those guys. I knew some of their families. And there was a, a chance that I was supposed to be on that operation. And I was pulled off uh, kind of towards the end there. Because I lost those friends and there was my survival, I ended up really questioning why I was still alive. Why me? Why not being still alive? Or why did they die and not me? 
So I battled with survivor guilt through my time in the Navy uh, after that operation for quite some time. And that caused depression and caused anxiety and stress. And I had uh, the Navy give me different medications to deal with that. I had them give me different types of talk counseling to help with that. And they both helped. The medication and the talk counseling helped to a point. The medication, however, kind of made me feel a little bit numb. And the talk counseling, I wasn't able to truly address the root issues, the root causes of what I was dealing with, because I wasn't truly in touch with what I was experiencing. And finally, I got, I had a counselor recommend mindfulness and meditation to me. And uh, I tried it out. And in all honesty, I tried it out for the first two weeks and went back to them after that two weeks and told them, Hey, look, this is not working for me. What else do you have? And, uh, and then he kind of laughed at me and said, Hey, look, that's like going to the gym and expecting that you're going to come back looking like a bodybuilder after two weeks yeah. and it doesn't work that fast. Right. You do get some immediate results, but the long-term results, uh, don't, don't show up for a while. So I was practiced for two months and then I started to see the results. And the, the biggest thing was I started to realize what it was that was causing me the anxiety, what it was that was causing me the stress and depression. And then I could take that and speak very frankly to the counselors that I was seeing. So it was kind of the meditation and the counseling going hand in hand. And I want to make sure everybody heard that correctly because quite often people hear medication. It was the meditation with a T, not medication with a C uh, that, that helped me out. Uh, more than anything. And it was about the same time that I was starting to think about retirement, that this was going on. And I had a mentor of mine mention to me that I need to figure out what I was going to do after I retire. And I started to look at um, some of the bright and shiny objects that are out there for military officers as they retire. And none none of the professions really jumped out at me as something that I was passionate about. I, I like project management. I am not a PMP. I will be completely upfront about that. But I, I like thinking about projects, what goes into getting it, it from the start to actually getting something built or done or accomplished. Um, so that was something that appealed to me. And then, and then uh, I wanted to carry this project, or uh, sorry, I wanted to carry this mindfulness forward as well and, and pay it forward to other veterans. So I was thinking, well, I'm going to combine my project management and my mindfulness, and I'm going to create a nonprofit that teaches this. Well, luckily, I didn't have to create it from scratch because Veterans Path, the nonprofit that uh, I work for now, existed. And they brought me on as their deputy executive director. They actually brought me on through uh, the SkillBridge program that we were talking about before the show um, prior to my retirement. So uh, I've had several months of, of experience prior to getting out of the Navy. And now day one of getting out, I had a job. So that's been, been very nice uh, to, to know that with a, with a family, I was going to be able to continue to take care of them financially right after getting out. That's fantastic. And, and, and thanks, obviously, for the backstory on that. Because when, we, when I first started following you on LinkedIn and seeing your posts, I, I kept thinking to myself, how does a Navy SEAL and mindfulness come together, right? Because there's this image we have uh, out in the civilian workforce, right? You, you guys are the best of the best. You're these, 
you're everything that's on the movies, right? It's you're not real because nobody knows you guys. We're you know you're you're these people we never see here or whatever. <laughs> and then we right. we see movies, right? The Lone Survivor and, and Chris Kyle story and all those sorts of things. Right, right. So you guys are these just heroes in our eyes. So why would someone like you need mindfulness? And then as you describe it, it's so obvious why you would need mindfulness, right? And how right. that could benefit. And then it makes me think of me or you, we're just dads, right? And, and at times we're thinking we're supposed to be stoic and uh, commanders of our family and leaders. And boy, we could all use mindfulness in our own lives, just being men, right? And just being uh, part yeah. of a, a dad in our family. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a discussion with a, a gentleman yesterday about what Veterans Path, our nonprofit, does. Uh, for for men specifically, um, we do we do uh, retreats and we do mindfulness and veteran training for both men and women. But uh, this one gentleman asked me what what we do for men specifically, and he and he said, "I think it's redefining what is masculine." And I I think there is there's some truth to that. But I also I, I flipped it on him. I said, "Well, I don't want to I don't want to redefine what is masculine because." There are certain things that are going to forever be masculine. And I think what we are doing is rather opening up mindfulness and meditation to those who are masculine. We aren't redefining masculinity. Right. So yeah, as as a as a mindfulness practitioner, as a mindfulness teacher, a lot of the time the stereotype or the image that pops into somebody's head is kind of a hippie or a monk. And uh you know, we don't have anything against either right. one of those. I yeah. mean, I, I'm I, I'm friends with hippies and monks, and I <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of both of them. But I don't fit that stereotype, and I'm I am neither one of them. And I want to bring meditation and mindfulness to a population that normally wouldn't be open to it. And I know that with my background, I can do that. So it, it definitely it lends to uh, to credibility amongst a more machismo crew if sure. uh if you will um when when i tell them my backstory and then then i tell them and now i'm a mindfulness teacher so yeah it's i i i'm totally tracking with you about the uh the different views of of navy seals and i'm not taking the traditional track for sure but there funny enough there are several uh mark divine is another seal who practices mindfulness and meditation and he's got his own books written about it. So I'm, I am certainly not the first and I'm sure, uh, or I rather hope that I will not be the last. Well, I'm sure you're not because you're carrying on that message so well, but with veterans path, your podcast, uh, your social media activity and, and just your life practice. Right. So I, I doubt you'll be last and, and you're creating <laughs> a great example for, for others to follow in your footsteps. Um, thank you. One thing you had also mentioned was the difference between mindfulness and meditation. What, what is yes. that difference, right? What is, uh, you know, yeah. how do you describe that for us, uh, layman folks out here? Sure. The, the way I try to describe it is, um, if you know what a Venn diagram is, mm -hmm. uh, I've got, you know, two circles, three circles, and they kind of overlap. Well, this one, this Venn diagram, if you can imagine in your mind, mindfulness being in one and meditation being another and there being a little bit of overlap between the two of them meditation 
is where you're very intentional about setting aside some time to practice some form of meditation, whether it is mindfulness meditation or whether it's transcendental meditation, whether it's yoga nidra. There's there's many different types of meditation. I specifically focus on mindful, mindfulness meditation. And that's kind of the overlap. So I defined mindfulness earlier in the show. Now I've defined meditation where you specifically set aside some time to do that. The overlap between the two that's mindfulness meditation. That's where you set aside some time very specifically to be mindful about what it is you're doing, about your experience, about your life. Um, so you may set aside two minutes. You may set aside 30 minutes to focus on your breath, focus on physical sensations that you're experiencing in the here and now. It might be sounds. It might be smells, maybe taste. You can even meditate with your eyes open and take in the the sights that you're seeing that that is meditation um (laughs) sorry my dog off to the side is really putting on a show you can't see it but she's putting on a heck of a show for me (laughs) she's Um, being quiet that's great yeah she is she's a quiet dog she's just full of energy um but anyway uh, i'm trying to be mindful about being focused on the show so that's uh that's the overlap between the two going back to mindfulness i mentioned it's being present in the here and now and focusing on the here and now and not so much about the past or about the future. Um, you can be mindful in just about anything you do. I'm trying to be mindful in being here with you on the show right now, focusing on what, on the questions that you're asking me, focusing on what I'm talking about. Um, when you're talking to me, I'm not trying to formulate a response in my mind. I'm just listening to what it is you're asking. That's being mindful. You can eat mindfully, whereas most of us every day, when we're rushing from one meeting to the next, we scarf down a cheeseburger in between meetings. And if somebody asks us at the end of the day, what did you eat for lunch? Most of us have trouble even remembering that we stopped lunch Mm -hmm. if we did stop. And then if you try to think about what you had, most of us can't even remember because we're so fast paced. Our life has become so fast paced that we're not being mindful about the things we're doing. And it extends about not being mindful in eating. You're not mindful in your relationships. You're not mindful in your conversations. A lot of the time, somebody will be talking to you and you're thinking about what's for dinner. You're thinking about your to-do list. You're thinking about COVID-19 and how it's affecting the country and finances and health and safety. You know, the, the list is endless about what else is on our minds. But rarely are you 100% devoted to the conversation that you're having. Because we don't know how to, we don't know how to be mindful. That's the difference between mindfulness and meditation. They do go hand in hand, but they aren't synonymous. So when somebody says, "Are you practicing mindfulness?" they don't mean, "Are you sitting down to meditate?" Um, and then when they say, "Are you practicing meditation?" they don't necessarily mean, "Are you practicing mindfulness?" So they're they're similar, but they're not one and the same. Yeah, and I, as you're speaking, right, I'm thinking, man, my good thing, my wife Alyssa is not listening to the show today. Uh, she'd be like, see, uh, somebody else is telling you the same thing, right? I mean, we could be, you know, sitting in the, the living room and uh, I'm on my phone, I'm playing a game or something and we're having a conversation or at least she's having a conversation and I'm not practicing mindfulness, right? I'm responding to her questions. But if you asked me two minutes later what we talked about, I would have no idea right? because right. I'm distracted and, and really not being mindful. Um, so uh, we may not put this one this podcast out for production because uh, <laughs> Alyssa is going to let me have it. Uh, but boy, you're, it's so spot on, right? It, it, we, we deal with this every day. And of course, this is a, 
project management radio show and I uh, we do the same thing running projects, right? We get so right. caught up in the noise of the project that so often we aren't mindful of the actual situations in front of us, right? Right, um, right. And I think there's Absolutely. a lot to be learned from what you're talking here and how we can benefit. And that's why I wanted you to have, come on as well because it's project management as we find is more people skills than it is the technical skills of executing the project. And the better we can get at the people side of it, the easier the technical will be. Um, so having uh, having you on to share this has been really beneficial. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I definitely think that the, the two, though they don't sound like they go hand in hand, being mindful as a project manager, I think does. I've actually, when I was living in Virginia and I was still on active duty, I went and spoke to the local PMI chapter uh, because I do believe, again, though they seem not related they are that you have to be mindful and pay attention to what is happening in every step of the project that you're that you're trying to work through so that you can ultimately get to the end goal without getting distracted uh without getting anxious without getting worried you can still get through that project and i think that's critical absolutely and and you know there's other simon cynic right he he uh, yeah. kind of hit it big because uh, a recording of a talk he did at a PMI chapter, or a Puget Sound PMI chapter, went viral, right? I mean, it was the start yeah, of... Yeah, start with why. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, you never know what happens when you do those PMI chats, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you've mentioned Veterans Path. Tell us more about that organization and um, why it's so important and, and what they're doing to help veterans. Sure. So Veterans Path was actually founded in 2008 by two women, Lee Lester and Chris Fortin, out in Berkeley, California. And it was originally called Honoring the Path of the Warrior uh, and then got rebranded as Veterans Path later. But Lee and Chris, they were anti-war. At one point, Lee actually marched against the Vietnam War. Many years later, uh, when guys and gals were going to um, Iraq and Afghanistan, they were coming back with post-traumatic stress. They were coming back with military sexual trauma effects. They were coming back with some, some loads that they were carrying. Lee and Chris realized that being anti-war doesn't necessarily mean being anti-military. And they realized that they could help veterans in dealing with these demons that they were uh, having. Uh, so they started small. They started teaching mindfulness meditation to small retreats, and that slowly grew into a, a bigger thing where they were doing week-long retreats, and eventually they started doing month-long uh, or several month-long retreats um, where you come in, do a, do a week um, in person, then you are online for a few months, and then you come back for another uh, check-in at the end. And people that were going through these programs were having profound effects. They were really starting to go from being depressed or almost stressed to the point of debilitation to being really high-performing individuals, really ha much happier, finding the, a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's actually where the word path in Veterans Path comes from, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's what veterans were able to find through mindfulness and meditation. And what Veterans Path does is they, they teach that to the veterans. 
typically in outdoor settings so that they can kind of get their minds cleared. And then they also connect those veterans to develop a sense of community because that's so important. As you're getting out of the military, you've been a part of this community for four years, 10 years, however long you've been in. And that's the sense that you feel a camaraderie, that the people you feel a camaraderie with. And then you leave. And Veterans Path helps you connect veterans with other veterans uh, to, to d- develop that sense of community. What we do now, uh, we've been doing those retreats that I mentioned, uh, but COVID uh, has also thrown a wrench in those plans, and we've started to go to online. So, Joe, I think you probably see me posting in the past few weeks about online meditation and yeah. mindfulness training specifically for veterans and currently serving military members. We've started that with a partner, eMindful. eMindful is a platform where uh, it's, it's a meditation platform, meditation app, much like the, the other ones out there, but they offer both recorded, pre-recorded stuff and live teachers. And the benefit of having the live, I mean, live virtual, like over Zoom uh, or Cisco, uh, WebEx, having a person there on the other end is at the end of the mindfulness session, you can ask questions and, and really delve a little bit deeper than just doing the meditation that's been pre-recorded. They do offer those as well, but uh, we, we've gone with uh, the teachers for, for our online stuff. So that's uh, that's what we have with Veterans Path now until uh, COVID starts to, again, kind of uh, lessen its effects on society and we were able to do more face-to-face. Uh, we'll go, go back to those face-to-face and outdoor kind of wilderness retreats. Yeah, I love the community aspect of that. I um you know, I did I guess it was last year I ran the Marine Corps Marathon uh supporting team red, white and blue, right? Because it's the nice. same concept, right? It's the community of bringing veterans together for physical activity uh to help give them a break uh from some of right. those traumas that may be holding them back from having a breakthrough. So to hear right. a veterans right. path same thing. I mean, that's uh, awesome. Right? I love that. I've run I've run that Marine Corps marathon and uh that last point two up the hill <laughs> towards the Iwo Jima uh monument is brutal. Uh it, it's really heartbreaking you <laughs> when you see that at the end. But hey, good job. And and Team Red, White and Blue, I'm a huge fan of. As a matter of fact, one of the uh ambassadors for Team Red, White and Blue, Janelle McCauley, she's a Air Force, uh former Air Force Lieutenant Colonel also a big mindfulness practitioner. She works with Veterans Path as well. Um, so lots of overlap in the uh, in the different organizations. Absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, I'm sure you did better on that marathon than I did. I about, uh, <laughs> I guess it was mile eight, my knee just gave out on me, right? So you, you don't quit, right? When you run a marathon, you run the marathon. Yeah, uh, right. But, but knowing the last point two is going to be so tough, I actually walked from 25 to 26, so I'd have enough steam to make sure I could run the, the, the last point two. That's a tough point, too. It is a tough point, too. <laughs> yes. Everyone forgets the point, too, except the people running, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, we're on a podcast radio show. This is kind of fun. I love this. It gives us an opportunity to meet amazing leaders like yourself. Uh, but this isn't unique for you, right? You have your own podcast as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's connected to Veterans Path, um, and it's, it's entitled Veterans Path. Uh, we bring on veterans who have discovered mindfulness. We also bring on uh, very high-performing athletes, very high-performing corporate leaders who practice mindfulness or have some 
connection to mental health. And the goal behind the Veterans Path podcast, well, there's several, but uh, one of them is obviously to raise awareness of Veterans Path and what it is we do. But the other one is to break the stigma of seeking mental health support. Because in, in the military, we're all given huge pats on the back when we're going to the gym. If, if somebody knows somebody else is going to the gym, they're like, hey, add a boy, add a girl, way to, go, way, way to get after it, way to keep yourself in good shape. But if somebody finds out you're going to go see, see a counselor or a psychologist, people instantly assume that something is wrong or that you're crazy. And that's a terrible stigma to have when what we should be doing is celebrating that person by, hey, great job, way to maintain your, your mental health, way to look towards improving your mental health. Because if that's what we can do, if we can change the narrative on people seeking mental health to where it's a good thing, to where it's seen in a positive light, more people will do it. And once people seek that mental health support more often, that's the foundation that everything else is built upon. You can, once you're mentally healthy, you're going to go to the gym and get into physical, in, into good physical shape. You're going to eat better. You're going to communicate better in your family and your family health, your family mental health will improve. And I think that's so important with, uh, with veterans, with the challenges, the unique challenges that we have. When I say veterans, I mean both those who have hung up the uniform and those who are still currently serving. The unique challenges that we have with deploying away from our families into combat zones, into the face of danger, that weighs on the families as well. Sure. So if we can get the mental health of the service member or the veteran improved, ideally we can improve the mental health and the communication relationship relationships of the family as well. So there's uh there's many layers to it, but that's that's kind of the idea behind Veterans Path. We've had some phenomenal guests on there, some some really famous mindfulness teachers and uh and and meditation teachers. We've had some uh gold medalists, we've had NFL players. So we've had we've had quite a selection of, of folks on there and it's it's a kind of a passion project of mine, the, the podcast. So thank you for bringing that up and Absolutely. allowing me to share that. Is, is it um live now or are you you're kind of in a hiatus what's the status of that and, and is it on <laughs> yeah. all you know apple podcasts is it on all the different platforms it's, uh, it uh, is it is on apple and spotify and uh you know all the different major podcast platforms it is i am taking a hiatus between season one and season two the the goal behind season two was to actually interview veterans live as i was traveling around the country uh-huh. uh, but as we've kind of changed this whole rv trip we're, we're going to change back to what, what I was doing before, where I, I interview uh, folks via Zoom, much like you are interviewing me, and then put that up uh, on, on the podcast. And we, it, is, it is both a video and audio podcast. About halfway through season one, I figured out how to do video. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's on YouTube as well under, under Veterans Path. Well, it sounds like us. We just figured out the video a few episodes back as well. So yeah, it's it's great to have a face, right? Not just the voice. Yeah, yeah. The the face, the the uh, body language. You you get so much more by watching the conversation. It's it's funny when you think about it that you're watching a conversation between two people, but really, when you see it and you see the like the body language and the the smiles, the laughs, 
it's a lot more than just the audio. Obviously, the the audio side is great if you're driving. You don't want to be watching the video side. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, th- I think there's just so much more in, in the video side of things. You know, one thing uh, you mentioned I wanted to touch on also is you had talked about veterans and active duty. Uh, my oldest son is a senior in high school, and he's planning to go into the Navy next year. So th- it's in the recruiting process as well, right? So he was seeking a counselor or seeing a counselor. And part of it is to help prepare him to make sure he's mentally ready to go in and participate in the military. And during the recruiting process, right, they want those records and they want to make sure that he's a stable individual. And, right, you know, part of my concern was he's actually doing this to become more stable, right, as, right. and be a better recruit. And will that be seen as a negative, kind of like you said, right? If he was, he's going to the gym and he's working out and he's getting his ASVABs ready and that's all pat on the back attaboy. But the, yeah. but the the visual you talked about, the face on the recruiter, right? His look changed when we said, well, he's, he is going to counseling. Yeah. And how do yeah, we get that more accepted, right? I mean, how, do, how does this right. become mainstream and approved within society? Yeah. Well, that that's kind of the mission here uh, is is not only my my podcast, not only Veterans Path, but my getting on other podcasts like yours is spreading this message uh, across uh, the the across society, really, not just the military, but but across society that that it is okay, and not only is it okay, but it should be encouraged to to seek that mental health support. The Navy, funny you should mention, they have a program at boot camp called the the Warrior Toughness Program. And uh, it was created by, and when I tell you this, it sounds kind of like a, a joke, but it was created by a, a Navy SEAL, a Navy chaplain, and a Navy psychologist. So the joke with this one Navy SEAL who actually came on Veterans Path podcast a while back um, is a Navy SEAL, a chaplain, and a psychologist all walk into a bar. What what comes out of it? Well, what yeah. comes out of it is the Navy toughness program. Uh, so Navy, uh, you know, when your son joins the Navy, he'll be going through the warrior toughness program because it is something that includes mindfulness and meditation. The reason I brought it up, um, they, they actually teach that now at Navy Boot Camp because, um, a couple of years back we had several, uh, Navy ships collide. We had Navy ships running the ground. And when that was happening, there were some sailors who were catatonic. They, they were not responding to this, this trauma. And the, idea is that bringing mindfulness and meditation into the warrior toughness program will actually help them to respond more rationally in a traumatic event than for them to go catatonic. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, And it's great to see, I guess, maybe a modernization of the forces, maybe as a way to look at that, right? And bringing situational awareness, mindfulness into their training program as well. So that's awesome. As a dad, right. right? That's comforting to hear, right? Because you're always uh, concerned when your your son's going to go off and join the service. Sure. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine uh, uh, now that I've got my three-year-old little girl and a one-year-old little boy. My mom always tells me that she still sees me as the little as a little boy. Uh, and in my mind now, I imagining my daughter joining the services or my son joining the services. I'm like, in my mind, you're always going to be a little boy, a little girl, and. Uh, I can only imagine the uh, the feelings and emotions that you as a as a parent experience. So 
mindfulness meditation may be helpful with that aspect as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My wife and I at the recruiting station, I think we're in two different mindsets, right? I was the proud dad and my wife was the concerned parent, right? So it was... Uh, sure. Uh, but, you know, hey, that's... Uh, we need people like yourself and my son that are going to ser- serve our country and keep us safe. So indeed, uh, hats off to both of you. Um, well, thank you. So another thing I wanted to touch on, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit here. We've got the video, so I'm going to bring up uh, <laughs> this, uh, the scrum on the go board. Yes, sir. The, <laughs> so for us in the project management world, right, everybody uh, has a good idea scrum. How did this right. idea come about? You mentioned some partners that you're working with on that to support yeah. this. So, yeah, Beth Davis and John Davis are both Scrum teachers. I got my Scrum master and Scrum, Scrum product. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog. She's really whining here. But, she just uh, wants in on the so, conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she does. Uh, my Scrum product owner certification. I was really brought into Scrum and uh, turned on to it by a friend. And I really started enjoying practicing it at work. I, I started implementing it in, in my Navy work. And another another really good friend of mine was teaching it uh, to his Navy EOD team that he was the commander of. And to see it started starting to be used in the military, I was, I was really impressed. But then I, I saw that because we were all working in secure spaces, um, it's, you couldn't carry these boards home with all the sticky notes on them. Um, so I, I made a comment to one of my friends. I was like, man, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if, if we could make this a small thing and each person could have their own scrum on scrum on the go board. And it was all, it's kind of said in jest initially. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, it would be. And guess what? If you could fold it and make it metal, it would be even cooler. And I was like, oh man, I think we might be onto something here. So we, we created the, the scrum on the go board. Uh, we started it like any entrepreneur uh, would uh, with a, with a minimal viable product, the MVP. And uh, like, literally it was, it was like uh, I bought a, a dry erase board, folded it in half. And I was like, okay, this is the, this, this is the MVP. Let's see if it works. And I started using it around this co-working space where I was working and people started asking me what it was. And I was like, okay, so there's some interest. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's see if, uh, about manufacturing one. So we, we ended up uh, manufacturing a folding metal board um, and then putting stickers with, with the backlog, the do, the doing and done on it. That was our, our second version. And that, that's still available. I have seven of those left still on Etsy uh, for sale because that's, that's where that was the next stage. Okay, okay, let's sell them online. And I sold them on Etsy and you know was marginally successful with that. And then, uh, and then I had somebody contact us uh, from this company that wanted to make them better by doing away with the stickies, actually printing it, manufacturing it, um, and they brought us to Amazon. Um, and I'm oh, sorry, the uh, the friend that I mentioned uh, at the beginning, Saul Saul Gomez, he's a retired uh, Navy chief. He's doing phenomenal stuff too. But he's the friend who was just like, "Oh yeah, you should do this," and it was all said in jest. And now it's it's kind of taken off into something that uh, that I hope becomes even more successful, and that all project managers and scrum masters, scrum product owners will, uh, will all own one at some point. That's kind of my vision. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can say I bought three of them, right? So I am, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will be your advocate and I will uh, pitch this for you all day long. I use it for my, my businesses, right. To organize my work. Um, it's, it fits in my backpack. Uh, it's very easy to use. 
We have one, uh, my son, who I mentioned, right, trying to go into uh, getting ready for the military. He's putting all his activities on there so that he's tracking his work that way. Excellent. And then we have another right. one that our family's using, right, just for different things we have, especially four kids at home trying to do school, uh, my wife and I trying to do our work and trying to take care of things. Right. It just helps you be organized, right? And it's not well, that's, overburdening. That's good right? to hear. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's not just, I mean, obviously the start of it is the Scrum project management tool, but man, right. b- bring it home, use it at home. It's, yeah. it's a great tool. It's, it's, it's nice to have it handy and always visible, right? So you have it there on your desk uh, right now. And when I, when I started marketing it on LinkedIn, I had a lot of people say, well, why can't I just use this? Why can't I just create an app that does this or have it on my computer? Well, that's that's the whole point is that if you have it on your computer, if you have it on uh, an app, as soon as you open up your phone, it's going to get lost behind 35 other apps or it's going to get lost on your computer behind PowerPoint. Or if you're like us and you're in the military and you have this on your computer, you can't bring it home because it has because you're working in a secure space. Whereas what you have in front of you there. Now, Karen, Joe had it a second ago. You can carry that back and forth. Obviously, you wouldn't want to write anything classified on it, but you can bring that into secure spaces. You can bring it out of secure spaces. You can use it when you're not using your phone. You can use it when you are. You can have it up in front of you, in in front of your computer, while you have your PowerPoints, while you have your emails and everything else. The work is visible. So that's the kind of the beauty behind it. And going back to your having three of them, I have, I myself have two of them. I have a personal one and a work one. My wife has one. And then even our nanny, uh, when we lived in Virginia, she saw us using one and she was like, you know what? I, w- I would like one of those. So I made my nanny one too. And, uh, and she's been using it with great success. And you know, the, uh, the, we talked, men we talked earlier about project management and mindfulness kind of tying together. This thing also helps you, uh, to, to de-stress and to be mindful about what is going on right now, because it's got the stickies on it that you don't move to the doing column until you're ready to actually work on it. And that makes you be more mindful about actually working on that specific task rather than trying to get 15 tasks all done at once and multitasking and then never actually accomplishing those tasks. The, the scrum on the board, scrum on the go board helps you to focus and get through those tasks kind of one or two at a time. Yeah, and I, you know, there's tools like Trello and all that stuff right, that you can use yeah. on your machine. But the what the reason I love this, um, especially for um, my son and family type settings, is it's so easy to see, and the visualization of it and having it in your hand makes it tangible, right? When it's Absolutely. on your phone or on a, a laptop, you could you see it, right? But you're not you're not actually picking up the sticky and moving it over. And that makes it right. so much more real. And that's why people have scrum boards, right? In offices, right? right? It's not just on your laptop. It's it's actually yeah. a board that they have. So I love and, the and fact that it's physical. physical. Yeah. Yeah. And there's physiological proof that, you know, actually touching a sticky and moving it from one column to the next, you get that dopamine hit. Whereas on your phone, if you just check it off and say, okay, yeah, it's done, you still get a little bit of dopamine, but tactile, the tactical, tactile sensation of touching that sticky is dramatically more than, than checking something on your phone. And you're less distracted because you, you're not doing it on your phone. Absolutely. 
You know, we we try to have a, a few veterans on our show every year, and in, in large part because I am so committed to the veterans um, and well, providing. Thank you for that. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, but serving those who serve us, right, is is what we all should be practicing. And I always try to get some life lessons from them, right? And and then bring that into my audience, but also into my own life. And and we've had so many that have taught us a bunch of different things. But right. what is, if there's a nugget that you can think back to the training you've received or the the education you received, what is it that you can bring to the listeners maybe as, as a kind of a golden nugget from John McCaskill of military <laughs> training gave me something that maybe it wouldn't have got otherwise? Yeah, wow. Sorry to there's, stump you on that one. <laughs> no, no, you, you haven't stumped me. I, uh, I would say that there's a lot of nuggets out there. I'm just trying to think of the golden one. You know, I, I think the nugget, and I don't, I, I don't think this is military specific. I think it's just leadership specific. Is that you should always be learning, learning from the good and the bad examples. So, in my time, 24 years in the military, I, I ran into some phenomenal leaders that I took lessons from. And I ran into some, some folks who were, I'll just say less than phenomenal. And with that, I, I always had a notebook in my pocket or, you know, uh, in, on my desk. And I would write down little lessons, uh, little, what we call after action reports or lessons learned. And I would write these down about what to do from the good leaders and what not to do from the bad leaders. So um, I guess if I had one golden nugget to share, it would be um, have a growth mindset and always be willing to learn from from those around you, whether it's learning what to do or learning what not to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, when I talk project management or do my own webinars or, or, or do coaching, I always bring up the fact that as youth, we're trained, we're coached, we're given leadership. And for some reason, people snap their finger at 18 or 21 and think, now you have it. And, and, we, <laughs> and we don't do that anymore. And what I love about the military from all the interaction I have with people through VPMMA and just conversations is they carry that forward, right? You constantly are being trained. You're constantly being coached. You're constantly being led. So that to me is, the, is a differentiator, right, between the corporate world and the, the military and yes, sir. how do we bring that, right? How do we get that back into corporate world, right? How do we let adults know it's okay to have a coach? It's okay to have somebody try to teach you something new. I don't know everything. I'm constantly seeking right. out guidance. And, and to me, that's yeah, the strength I mean, of the military. A lot of the time we're all reading. We're reading self-help books. We're reading project management books. We're reading leadership books or management books. So why is it okay to read about it, but not learn from the actual, like get the word from the horse's mouth, right? So if you have a coach, uh, I think you're going to get that much more from a coach than you are from a book. And I I mean, my bookshelves, not now because I'm living in an RV, but my (laughs) bookshelves uh, in in the house are filled with leadership and management books because I I enjoy reading that stuff. But then I, I hope that I can teach that stuff to friends, to coworkers, to other leaders, to followers. Uh, I like to think of myself as a mentor. Maybe that's a better way is, is seek a mentor rather than a coach. Because I think people maybe have a, a negative connotation about the word coach. 
uh, or life coach or leadership coach, a mentor. And uh, I, I think everybody needs mentors throughout our lives, no matter where you are, what stage, uh, how old, whatever you need yeah. mentors. I, I just, I always joke at, uh, you know, we tell our kids, go practice your instruments, go practice baseball, right? Don't you? So when the time comes for your performance or the time comes for your game, you've practiced it and you're going to do well. Yet I right. never see anybody in a corporate setting practicing. And, and we wonder True. why projects fail half the time. It's because we never <laughs> practice them. We're constantly out there trying to do it without practice. So I, I'm on, uh, I'm on my uh, leadership horse here of how do we bring practice back into corporate world and learn from our lessons of the youth, right? And, and understand that there's value there. Right. We'll see if I get right. success with that. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but but it's uh, that's part of my empower, empowering people to deliver results, is, right? Is empower them, give them the tools to be successful and practice is one of those tools. Well, we are... Uh, Absolutely. Coming up on uh, on the end of our hour here, so wow. this went by super fast. And the other it, thing I want to mention is you mentioned books and reading. I just um, we just got Jocko Willink's book on oh, leadership. Yeah. Which uh, one? Oh, geez, it's the got first. Two. Got uh, extreme leadership and the dichotomy of leadership. The, the extreme leadership one. That's the one uh, yeah. I just picked up. So I'm yeah. Uh, he and Leif Babin did a great job with that one. Just uh, so trying to. To, to learn different types of leadership from different experiences and background. So um, who knows, maybe we'll get him on the show and he can talk about that book one day as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you get, if you get Jocko, you're, uh, you're, you're getting a, a great guy there. He's got some, so many great lessons uh, and, and his combat background uh, and his corporate side together. I mean, it's a, it's a great combination. Well, obviously, I think we had a great combination when with you on the show today. So thank you so much for having us. <laughs> well, right, you, you, you brought uh, knowledge to me and an understanding of something that I, you know, I kind of was aware of, but really never understood. So thank you for that. Uh, is there anything that you have you want to share with the audience of how they can get in touch with you or anything uh, upcoming? Yeah, Th that would be great. Yes, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, John McCaskill. It's J-O-N-M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L. -L. And there's two of us, but I'm the one Navy SEAL mindfulness guy. Um, and uh, if you wanted to find me on other social media, I'm on um, uh, Instagram as mindfulfrogman. My email is just john, J-O-N, at veteranspath.org. Awesome. Well, thank I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're at the end of this hour because I think my dog's about to freak out. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been, Although this uh, has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on, uh, John. Thank you so much. And obviously, thank you to all our listeners as well. Please be sure to go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of our past shows. And boy, do we have an all-star lineup of guests coming up over the remainder of the year. We have uh, Cindy Dionisio and Mike Griffiths, who are two of the lead authors on Pinbox 7 that's going to be coming out. And that is a uh, earth-shattering, groundbreaking change to the Pinbox. Uh, so you need to get that. Uh, Elizabeth Heron from the UK, Priya Patra from India, Peter Taylor from the UK, Ben Aston from Canada, Jason Westland, uh, Cornelius Fickner, and Kieran Bondale. And then we start next year with our first guest from Africa, Billy Mwapwe from Zambia. Wow. Uh, lots of great guests coming up. And I'm going to find time to fit Jocko in there as well. 
so a reminder that these shows are recorded, right? We're live now, but we record these, release them as a podcast. So please subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the purpose-driven PMO and all their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.